0: And welcome back to Agents of Damned, our Let's Play d d podcast featuring myself, your sometimes benevolent, often malevolent dungeon master, Jordan Roman. And as always, I am joined by my fellow players,
1: Katie, your darling lovable, hateable safe.
2: Hey guys, I'm Christina, and I'll be playing Wintera.
3: And I'm Drew, and I'll be playing the good Dr. Arlo Aegon. and I didn't know we were going to make up little monikers.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize you were uh, stealing my thunder, but that's cool.
1: Go fuck yourself.
3: Uh, hey, I'm Drew, and I'm going to be playing cool Jordan. He's like Jordan, but, like, way cooler.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's impossible. I am maximum cool.
3: He's just like Jordan, but with sunglasses and a leather jacket, and he rides a motorcycle.
1: Jordan, I've known you since high school. There's nothing cool about you.
0: Hmm, I remember that comment. (laughs) (laughs) So, you guys are actually in quite the interesting predicament. You are at the end of what is your first job with the agency. But a lot has happened on your first job, so I think we could all do with a recap. Last time, the agents found themselves in a dire situation, with Milo caught in a deadly explosion. Barden was the first to run to his side, but Arlo was close behind and managed to stabilize the halfling to health. Milo still needed to rest, so Arlo went to talk to Barden while Wintera checked the nearby tracks to learn that Elema and the stranger in black armor had been here. However, the Stranger appeared to have since left the Stronghold. Arlo attempted to console Barden and in the process, learned that the mysterious Stranger was an unknown figure, even to Bardem. After Milo had awoken, he informed the agents that he would be unable to aid them in securing a route in the Stronghold. However, he did tell them a story before giving them a map to the Fortress a story that held a hidden message shared only with Seth through the subtle language of Thieves' cant. With their newfound knowledge, the agents departed into the stronghold. Once inside, Arlo cast Detect Magic to reveal a number of magical traps scattered throughout. With Seth serving as a scout, the group managed to navigate the labyrinth and solve the riddle to unlock the door to the treasure room. Reveling in the success of their exploration, the group makes their way into the treasure room to finish their first job as Agents of Damned. So, as we pick up where we last finished, with you guys having just heard the door to the treasure room open, you guys are still in the small library room. What do you guys do?
1: Let's approach the stone door.
2: When Tara suddenly goes like, oh, wait, I forgot something. Um, and she does that thing with her fist where she puts it into the palm of your hand. And she's like, there were tracks outside of the stronghold. Uh, It looked like a set of female tracks and a set of male tracks. I'm going to assume the male tracks were our mysterious friend. And the female tracks belong to Elema. Elima, Elima, Whatever her name is. Um, yeah, but the weird thing is, the guy's tracks left, and the girl's tracks didn't, and we haven't run into anyone down here, so I just think that's weird, and I forgot to mention it earlier, but I just remembered it. There you go. When-
3: when Tara- did- did we just go through this entire thing in what could have clearly been an ambush, and you just now remember th- to tell us that?
2: and she starts walking away.
3: Don't don't sh- don't shush me! Don't walk away. I'm, I'm, I am I, I, I oh, Muhammad.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm surrounded by incompetency.
0: So you guys make your way over to the doorway to the treasure room, and sure enough, the large stone door has moved. As you make your way down, you find yourselves in not a full treasure room, but it's modestly full. There are some statues in there, some more chests, some piles of gold. Obviously, there's still plenty of room for all the stuff that you guys brought. However, leaning against one of the statues across from you guys is, in fact, Elima. She looks up and sees you all and is noticeably taken aback by all of your presence. I have to admit, you are not the ones I thought I was going to meet down here.
1: I take it you were expecting Milo.
0: That would have been the logical option. So where is he?
1: Yeah, well, unfortunately, he got blown up.
3: Yeah, one of your traps got him. She is immediately
0: taken back by what Saith says. What? What do you mean he was blown up? How?
1: You heard me. There was a trap at the entrance. Milo is the one who got caught in it. Just
0: an explosion trap by the entrance? What are you talking about?
2: It was a magical trap. It was different from the one he expected to
0: find. She looks down in contemplation for a second, and then... Almost seems angered by some sort of a weird revelation that she's had. And she just mutters something to herself quietly.
1: You didn't know!
0: No. I didn't. Is Milo okay?
1: Yes. Arlo was able to save him in time.
0: She breathes a very deep sigh of relief on that one. Thank
1: God. Elma, what does he have on you?
0: She averts her eyes from you and says, I can't answer any questions about that,
3: but I have a favor to ask of you all. Elba, I don't really think you're really in a position to be asking favors. Arlo. Please, please, just...
1: Listen to her.
0: please. Just What is it? I need you all to turn around. Go back outside. Take Milo and leave Neverwinter. Make sure he doesn't come back. Take him somewhere safe. I, I don't care where. Just he can't be here. Please.
1: Elma, we can't do that. We can't risk the lives of everybody in the city. Our position here isn't just to stop you. It's to protect all the lives that are in danger due to what this monstrous man is putting you through. Whatever he has on you, we can help. This is one of our many jobs. I can tell. I can see it in your eyes. In your body language. You don't want to do this. You don't want to be here. So how can we help?
0: She looks down again, as if she's contemplating. And then, she looks up one more time, and says, This is not something that you all can handle. I know you're trying to help. So I'm gonna ask you, one more time. Please, take Milo, and leave. There is no turning back if you don't. And... I need him to be safe.
1: We can't do that!
0: (sighs) Yeah. Can't say I'm surprised. I had a feeling you guys were all good people. In a way, I guess that's also kind of the downfall here. And she shifts her foot and steps on a switch. And immediately, the stone door leading in closes, and a metal grate in front of it shuts down, effectively trapping all four of you in there. All right. If this is really the way you guys want to do this, then here's how this is going to work. And she looks up at all of you. You can see now... There is more of a determination in her eyes than there was before. At first there was only fear, but now she seems ready for something. Unfortunately, given the way my circumstance is, the only way I can tell you all anything is if one of us doesn't leave here alive. Now, we're all trapped in here. There is a way out, but as long as I am alive, you all will never find it, and I'm not about to walk out of here with three people who know the truth. So for now, I'll tell you what I know. Afterward, we'll settle that. <sighs> nor I can tell you all right now, you're wrong about my situation. He doesn't have anything. It's not like he's blackmailing me with information. You all fought him. You know what he's capable of. He's simply threatening me with my life. And I know there is nothing I can do
3: to stop someone that powerful. Then you're a coward.
0: Only because Milo raised me that way.
3: Milo. Milo wept when he found out that you had betrayed him. You betrayed your home. Everyone who ever gave a damn about you. Just to save your own skin? Is that what you're telling me? She takes a step back,
0: as you say that Milo had wept. And after your whole spiel, she looks up at you and says, You're not a thief. I wouldn't expect you to understand this. But when I first joined the guild, Milo taught me a very important lesson. He told me that a thief's number one duty was always to himself. ...to make sure that you get out of any situation by your own life. Now, I'll admit, I didn't take too kindly to that one at first. I agree. It seems... cowardly. But... there's a reason. Back before the Thieves' Guild became more of a... ...official government facility... ...an official recognized guild... ...that same code of honor, if you can call it that... Was still in place, but for more purely selfish reasons. But Milo decided to run with it, to take that idea and make it more noble, more honorable. Thieves' Guild exists for the sole purpose of bettering the lives of those less fortunate than those who are not. It can't function unless it has members. And if everyone dies, there is no Thieves' Guild. And everything falls back into the control of the rich and powerful. Milo taught me to make sure I always escape with my own life before the lives of others. Including himself. And she trembles as she says that. You can tell that is not a sentence she likes saying out loud for any reason. But she looks back up at you and says, So that way, no matter what, there's always a living member of the Thieves' Guild, and we can rebuild.
3: You are willing to kill an entire town? Not a coward. Not in the way you believe. I don't see how you can rationalize you being the good guy in this situation. What's moreover, the man you admire so much would be dead. By your actions, by your fault, you are guilty of this. She looks down and sort of chuckles to herself.
0: I don't ever recall saying I viewed myself as a good person.
2: Why does he want to bring this dragon to Neverwinter? What's his goal?
0: The destruction of Neverwinter... I don't know anymore. That's all he ever told me. I don't know that he has an end goal. Every time he talked about his ambitions, about seeing Neverwinter burn to the ground... He never mentioned any sort of... He never mentioned the next move. Nothing that came after that. He just laughed his sickening sickening laugh and he always looked like he was so happy just with the thought of it all the innocent people who would die i don't know if he even has an end goal i think this man if you can even call him that is just the purest form of a monster You've all fought him. You know what he's capable of.
2: When? When was he trying to, to make everything happen?
0: He only contacted... Came into contact with me about a week ago. It hasn't been that long since. He wasn't anticipating this was going to happen anytime soon. He just needed to make sure that things stayed the way they were dragons don't usually get attracted to these things terribly quickly. Probably still another month or so until something like that would have even happened. But he told me it was my job to make sure it stayed that way for long enough to attract the dragon in the first place. And until you guys showed up, I was able to do just that. But obviously, that's no longer the case now. In a weird way, I'm Relieved.
1: Why didn't you ask for help?
0: And do what? What help could I get against this man?
3: I mean, there's literally an entire organization dedicated to order, of which we are members. And how well did you handle him exactly?
1: But we have the power and the ability to bring more people in.
0: It doesn't matter how many people you have. Have You've seen what he can do.
1: I've also seen children, parents. I've seen happiness and love throughout this city. Why would you want
0: to ruin that? You think I don't know this? You think I'm not aware of everything I'm throwing away? This is my home, damn it! I'm well aware of what's going on, of what's going to happen. Have you thought for even one second of what this is doing to me? How I feel about this? I'm not happy that this is happening. I hate this. More than anyone, I hate this. But I can't do anything. All I have is what Milo taught me. And you can see, just as Milo did when you told him of Elma's betrayal, she also is now welling with tears. I don't know much on this man. I can't tell you a lot, but what I can at least give you, aside from his sick intentions, is a name. He goes by Ash, that's all I know about him. If you can find some way to prove me wrong, show me that this man can be taken down, then I'll be able to rest easy. But as long as it's in my hands, then I have to do what I can to protect the thieves' guild, as Milo told me to. I'm sorry. And she steps on another switch, and black smoke fills the room. And as it fades, Elma has vanished. Everyone, roll initiative.
1: Twenty-three.
3: Fifteen.
0: Eleven.
3: Top of the order! That is
0: going to be safe. As of right now, she is completely hidden. You guys have absolutely no idea where she's at. You would have to roll a perception check to try and find her.
1: Perception check! Fifteen!
0: It's faint, but you do manage to catch a pile of gold that seems to have some coins at the bottom scattered in a way that you don't remember them being scattered. And you figure she's likely hiding behind that. For all intents and purposes, she still has full cover, so you can't actively see her, but you do pin her down.
1: Gotcha. Saith is going to hold action for now. She wants to try to hold her promise to Milo to spare her. But she is going to point her out inconspicuously as possible to her teammates And she's also going to, uh, Arlo, you know a little bit of sign language, right? A bit. She's going to sign to you in plain and simple terms as she can if you know any knockout or sleeping spells.
0: Roll intelligence to see if you comprehend that, because that's too complicated to just get for free. That is, uh, ten. You just managed to get the basic idea that she's asking for.
3: Uh, Arlo thinks for a second and then nods his head.
1: Alright, so at this point now Safe is going to try to draw her out and like run towards uh, not like directly towards the gold, but like at an angle a- angle, but she
0: You're trying to work your way around? Yes. Are you trying to do so stealthily or are you just as is?
1: Stealthily.
0: Alright, roll a stealth check. 22. We're safe, can't see her. Huh. Alright. I'd say that you'd be able to... Unless you want to try and get... Unless you want to try to be a little bit more blatant about it, you could work your way to the point where she's at three-quarters cover. Yes. So you can see her... But she'd have, like, a plus five to her AC because she is still, like, mostly covered by the gold.
1: Perfect.
0: Okay, anything else, or is that it for you?
1: I'm gonna hold action.
0: Okay, Arlo, you up.
3: Uh, All right, so she pointed out where she is, right?
0: You guys are aware of the pile of gold she is hiding behind? Yes.
3: All right, how far away is that from me?
0: Thirty feet just to reach the gold.
3: All right, I'm going to cast Hold Person. Do you have to have line of sight for that? Um, oh, yeah, I do need to be able to see her. Never mind. Yeah, then no. Guiding Bolt does not specify.
0: Then I have zero objections. Go for it.
3: Shui. Oh, ho, ho, ho.
1: We don't want to kill her, fam.
3: That's a crit. That's a crit. I didn't agree to shit. Um,
4: I
0: mean, yeah. Yeah, that is in fact a critical hit, so, um... How many dice do you roll again? 4d6 normally. Okay, good. Uh, this is that spell. Awesome. Okay, so, 4d6 is... That is base 24 damage, plus your modifier, plus... Whatever you would roll on it. Okay, so just real quick for the audience at home to explain how I do crits. Instead of just doubling the dice you roll, I take what would be the second set of dice. So since he's doing 4d6, he would technically roll 8d6. I just take half of that and then just make it max. So that would be the 4d6 is 24, and then he just rolls normally otherwise... He just gets that free maximum total added to it. So that way he never has a flop of a crit.
3: Yeah, so that's 15 plus 24 for the crit.
0: Oh, is that all?
3: Oh, and before the end of my next turn, she is glowing with a mystical dim light, and we get advantage on attack rolls made against her.
0: Cool! Uh, so... Let's go straight through the pile of gold and just knocks her into the nearby wall... Uh, Some of the gold also kind of melded into the attack, and it just fucked her sideways. She is not
3: looking good. Can I, as a reaction, perform my signature Arlo move of flashing my badge, whip crack sound effect, and say, like, by the order of damned, you are under arrest. You keep fucking around, and I'm gonna fuck you up.
0: (laughs) Tear her up.
2: Okay, so she's glowing now, right?
3: Oh, yeah, fully.
1: Wait, I have a question. I have an answer. My hold action. I can do that at any time, right? Oh,
0: my Christ. Yes.
1: Okay, cool. So, um, before I was at three quarters, how close I am I to her now?
0: Her cover has been literally destroyed. She does not have cover anymore.
1: And she's highly injured?
0: Very. very three and damage at y'all's look... Like, how would you feel about 39 damage? <laughs>
2: not good.
1: Oof.
0: Um, I wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. So, she ain't doing great at all.
1: Great. I'm gonna jump her ass and put her in handcuffs.
0: Uh, roll grapple. We have handcuffs? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, she's restraining her. I'm not gonna... So, she's still very heavily dazed by this one. And in that moment... You manage to get over to her, and you wrap your tail around her, securing her very firmly, and she is not able to react in time in order to weasel her way out. So you have restrained her.
1: Handcuffs, bitch.
0: Again, I'm going with Drew on this one. Y'all don't have cuffs. I'm letting you use your god tail to do this one.
1: Wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait.
3: What? Actually, wait. She's a bounty hunter. She might have shackles. Oh. Shit. Oh shit, you just got cuffed? <laughs> <laughs> bad boys, bad boys. What, what are you, you gonna, gonna do? do? What are you what gonna you do when a, and a for you, come for you? Bad boys, you.
1: bad boys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she's cuffed. <laughs> okay. It's technically still Wintera's turn, and she does still have health remaining. Would you like to do anything in addition?
2: I feel like everything I was going to do keeps changing because of what was going on, so, uh, give me one second.
0: (laughs) What, you mean you weren't prepared for this whole thing?
2: I had to change, like, literally every time someone did something, I had to change what I was trying to do, because I was gonna entangle her if that didn't work, uh,
0: but that did. Oh, you mean you also had to adjust everything you thought this fight was going to be based on the whims of the others? Crazy, that?
2: Hmm... She's still conscious, so I would like for her to make a wisdom saving throw with advantage.
0: Uh, she passed.
2: Okay, I was attempting to charm person her.
0: Just trust me on that one. She passed.
2: Okay. Uh, I am still going to walk up to her and get close to her, and Wintera will be like, We want to help you. We promised Milo that we would spare your life, and I don't want to have to go back on that promise. Let us be able to provide the proof that we can band enough people together and go against this guy, and do it as a group and for the safety of your town, so that, so that you don't have to give up everything that you've lived through.
1: You don't deserve what this man has put you through, Elma.
2: I know what it is like to lose people close to you, and I'd never wish that on anyone. Let us help you, Please.
0: Well, persuasion. That's a two. Yeah, not gonna do it. She just looks at you and says, I already told you. If I thought there was any chance of stopping him, I'd have done it already. You can't stop him. So the first thing she's going to do is she's going to attempt to break the grapple with Sate. You managed to keep a brace on hold on her. Sweet. Say it's what you got.
1: She's gonna turn her around to look at her. Okay. And she's gonna... She's gonna look at her up and down, just for a minute. She's gonna size her up, and then she's gonna say... If there's anybody in this room that understands the pain of going through the inevitability of... Of being unable to stop their attacker, it's me. Do you think I want to smile like this my whole life? Do you think I want to be happy like this? Trust me, I don't. I hate you for what you're putting Milo through. I am not a joyful person. This isn't me. This is a curse. And I can't break that curse unless I find the person that put it on me. Now, just because that person is damn near unbeatable, and trust me, he is, it doesn't mean I'm going to end the search to end him. And I am not going to end the search to end Ash. And I am not going to sit here and allow you to drag yourself through the dirt and give up. You don't deserve that. You don't deserve to put on a smile and pretend like everything's okay. You don't deserve to be me. What you do deserve is a second chance. And I'm going to make sure you get that. And I will ask for leniency. You are under arrest. You will have to go through trial. But I am going to stay at your side and make sure I keep my promise to Milo.
0: Okay. So, as you do that, and as you say what you say... She looks at you and actually does give off a bit of a smirk and says You guys really are good people.
1: Don't insult me.
0: Take care of Milo. And on initiative 20 a layer action goes off. She shuffles her foot and steps down on a switch and a poison dart comes out of the wall and shoots her Right in the back Of the neck Hey Arlo Oh yeah poison Arlo you go over there And you are not Entirely sure What exactly she put at herself You're not sure if it's because of Nature Because of how much damage She's already taken Or if it's just where the dart
3: hit But it killed her Instantly Arlo kind of looks up and is like, yeah, um, this is beyond my, uh, my pay grade.
1: Yeah, yep, mm, yep, yep, thanks Arlo. Faith is just going to remove the shackles from Elma, and she's gonna take off her cloak and wrap Elama in it respectfully.
0: So, as you do that, Elma's own cloak slips off. And you notice that it's not actually an ordinary cloak. It almost looks like it has magical properties to it. Upon closer inspection, you realize it is actually an item known as a portable hole. Think of it as a more limited bag of holding that takes the form of a piece of cloth, in this case fashioned into a cape. Neat.
3: I guess Arlo reaches in there and looks into it.
0: Inside you find what looks like another key. But this one is actually a little bit different. It's actually, uh, this is yet another magic item, called a chime of opening. It is a hollow metal tube, about a foot long and weighs roughly a pound. You can take an action to strike it, pointing it at an object within 120 feet of you, and it is immediately unlocked and opened. It is a total of ten uses, and after the tenth time, it cracks and becomes useless.
1: There's our way out!
0: Yeah, let me rephrase that. You have something that does nine uses as you make your way out. As you guys resurface, having officially secured the route, do you bring Elmo with you? Yes. Okay. So, you come out... Elema's body in tow Barden is actually the first one to spot you guys and he walks over and says did you manage to secure who's that
1: I am genuinely sorry
0: Barden's eyes go wide as he realizes exactly what has happened
1: she places her gently in Barden's
0: arms so you actually see Bargain he's actually facing away from Milo right now Milo is still resting he actually carries Elma over to a wall and sort of like rests her against it and says Milo is my friend I'll be the one to tell him what happened you all shouldn't have to burden yourselves with this it's just tell me this try
2: we did everything we could
0: Barton turns back to you guys and says head back to town take the teleporter go back to your base as far as I'm concerned here your job is done you've done what you came here to do let me handle things with Milo And it's probably best for everyone if you three,
3: in particular, don't come back here for a while. And what in the hell is that supposed to mean? It means exactly what you think it means. You're dismissed.
2: Uh, Before we do anything, Tara reaches into her bag and pulls out the letter that was meant for Milo, and she says before we go, this was on his desk, and it's it's very recent, this, this seal. It might have some words in it that may help.
0: He takes the letter and looks at it, and he looks kind of surprised when he sees it, and is like, this is... I'll see that he gets it. And Tara just nods. He returns the nod, and... ...walks over towards Milo, contemplating how he's ever going to manage to break the news to him. You all make your way back to Neverwinter in a far more somber mood than you did the first time. Nothing really happens on the way back. No goblins. No bandits. Just silence. You make your way onto the teleporter head back home to HQ. Off in the distance, entirely unknown to any of our agents, we see the man that we now know to be Ash, staring into a bottle with a globe at the end as it turns foggy. Initially, it held Alamur's image inside, but it has faded. He takes a deep breath and says, Well, so much for that one. I do wonder, though. And he pulls from his pocket a gold scale. Let's see what this so-called dad is really all about. He drops the scale into the bottle, the fog begins to shift once more, as he stares deeply into it, as an image is made clear. Regrouping with our agents, they manage to make their way back to Damned HQ. And while it definitely could have gone better, ultimately it was still a successful mission. You did manage to do exactly what you had set off to do. As you guys get back, you wind up in the teleporter room. Odart is there once again. However, you notice that three other teleportation circles also activate at the same time, and you see three other groups of people also arrive at the same time as you guys. The first of these groups is a trio containing a human, a tiefling, a female tiefling and a male human, and then Lizardfolk. The second group consists of a silver female dragonborn, a male shifter, and a male albino tiefling. The last group consists of a halfling, a swivelblin, and-
3: or a deep gnome, and a goblin. Shortest squad.
1: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: So they all step off the teleporters, and they look at you, and the human from the first group is the first one to speak up. Oh, you guys must be new. I
3: don't recognize you. Is this your first day, or...? Just, uh, just coming back from our first mission, actually. Ah. Oh, I see. You're... I know which ones you are. You're, um... Don't tell me, uh... Argo! Uh, nope. Arlo. Close, but no cigar. Sorry about that. Name's Harlow. This is actually my team.
0: The tiefling there is Hope. She smiles very shyly, gives you guys a wave. And this here is Vife. And he points to the Lizard Folk and says, We actually make up Team Divine Shield. We're another group of operatives here.
3: Harlow hears that name and he's like, Oh, that name is way cooler than ours. We. God damn it. So then, the other group that you guys see,
0: the Dragonborn, Shifter, and Tiefling, walk over to you guys, and the Dragonborn says, Ah, it's nice to meet you. I'm Raylan. This is uh, Four Gold Midday and Seven. She points to the Shifter and Tiefling, respectively. We are, uh, Team Second Chance.
3: That one's less cool. Oh.
0: Okay.
3: (laughs) No, I'm joking. I- I'm just messing with you there, buddy. Your team's name's plenty fine.
0: And then you feel a tap on your leg as the halfling is there. it's like, Hello, my name is Fyther. Uh, he points over to the goblin. This is Niflum, And he
3: points over to Suma. And this is Pete.
0: We are the Fythernet Fantas.
3: <laughs> you see, I was gonna pick that exact same goddamn name. I uh, thought she would have... Uh... She wouldn't have let you do that one.
0: We yeah, are they got it.
3: Man, Friday Night Fun Pals would have been great. Ah, uh, no, it's pretty great with us. You guys look like you guys can really party.
0: Oh, you would not even imagine. <laughs> and then over, for lack of better terms, at intercom. It's more of a magical thing. Anyway, you guys here... With the agents please report to my office for debriefing? And you guys obviously recognize the sound of Ryan Delvarev, the head of the damned organization.
3: All right, I guess we make our way
0: over to our office. Uh, Most of the other members of the team kind of wave you off, primarily Harvin, Fryden, and Raylan, who seem to be the heads of their own respective teams. They're kind of the ones who do most of the waving. Everyone else, like, they're not... Distant, But they just don't seem quite as interested, for a lack of better word. So you guys make your way over there, and oddly enough, you guys, just outside the door, see Orello The Goliath who serves as a chef here. And he appears to be carrying a small teacup. He takes note of you guys and says, Ah, oh, hello there. I suppose you're here for your debriefing, then. Yes! Well...
1: It probably could have gone better.
0: Well, the first missions are often rough. Hopefully, I'll be able to cheer the director up with this. And he kind of lifts the teacup up a little bit happily. If you'll excuse me, I... Please
1: tell me that's booze.
0: Uh, Oh, no. She doesn't drink. She doesn't drink? No. The director is actually a very formal. Despite her attitude, she tries to conduct herself with the most professional means possible. You may notice she also never swears. She's a little proper like that. That does not mean she will not yell, so probably let me go first so I can give her this. And he does a surprisingly gentle knock for a Goliath, and you hear from inside, Come in! And he opens up, and seeing Orlo first, you see Ryan takes a huge sigh of relief and says, Oh, thank gods! As you guys walk in, you take in the office once more and see that it is largely unchanged from last time. But you do know that you are able to get a better idea on it this time since you.
3: Since Jordan actually wrote down some stuff about it. Yeah, uh, Ildek. <laughs>
0: so as you all noticed last time there is still the high vampire otherwise known as a vampire lord off to one side along with the exoskeleton of an umber hulk and a basilisk corpse all of which have been stuffed appropriately to the other side there is a beholder corpse and a large chimera that has been turned into a rug up above you see the giant dragon skeleton that you saw before But one of the more notable things is actually a series of four pedestals that have been mounted behind Ryan's desk. Each of those pedestals features the head of a giant. In order, there is a fire giant, a frost giant, a storm giant, and a cloud giant. And beneath each of them is the originally noticed flaming nunchucks, in addition to a katana that appears to be giving off an icy mist, a warhammer that gives off a light hum, and a crossbow that seems to be emitting a soft pink smoke Hmm. this is where I drop mic and style on you fuckers if I didn't think my mic was more worth it than that (laughs) I love it so Orlo walks up and puts the cup on the desk and you hear Ryan say please for the love of all that is good please tell me you brought espresso a long day. I'm going to need it. And Orlo smirks and says, "What of course. And he sort of turns to his left and pokes at a little bag that he has hanging off his shoulder. He says, alright, little friend. Time to do your thing. And you notice the bag rustles a little bit. And after a moment, a little brown dragon actually emerges from the bag and crawls down his arm ...over to the coffee cup. It... ...then Sorga stands up... ...on its hind legs... ...it... ...like for a dragon... ...it's very small... ...it's about the size of a rat.
1: I need it!
0: It... Sorga takes a deep breath... ...and... ...shoots... ...like a little splash of something... ...into the drink. ...and then... ...crawls... ...back up Arlo's arm... ...back into the satchel... And sort of nuzzles itself back in.
1: It's so cute! The small!
0: And then Orlo slides the cup back over to Ryan, who picks it up, takes a big sip, and just the most soul touching sigh of relief you've ever heard. (sighs) God's bless. That'll be all, Orlo. He nods, and then turns around, and he gives you all a nod on the way out, and leaves. So, as Ryan enjoys her coffee, she puts it down, sets it up to the side, and says, So, your first mission. To my understanding, it ended in overall success. Would you agree with that one?
3: Yeah, we overall got it done, and nobody important, Dad. Well, that's always good to hear,
0: of course, because this is your first mission, we do believe in opting for a bit of peer review on this just to make sure everything goes well. I'm sure you understand it's more of a formality and all that. So I think we'll start off with the first issue I have, which is... What is wrong with your idiots? I need all of you guys to make charisma saving throws.
4: Oh, great.
1: <laughs> that was a 14.
3: That is an 18.
1: Okay. Nineteen.
3: So
0: Rintera. Uh-huh. You are deeply spooked by her sudden outburst, and you find yourself under the effect of the fear spell.
2: Yep, so she audibly whimpers like a bear cub would. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. So she looks at you all now noticeably pissed and says you may have succeeded in your mission but your conduct was nothing if not reprehensible explain yourselves immediately
2: so i believe from fear i would like to try to leave isn't isn't that correct that fear wants to make you get as far away from the person as possible
0: for this particular instance it's more just that you don't want to piss them off like, you're afraid of what they will do, but no, I'm not going to make you actively try to leave. That would be a terrible idea.
2: <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure.
0: Would anyone like to speak up, or do I get to keep going?
1: I'm trying to, like, think about how Safe would respond to this. Okay. She's, you know, kind of... ...really sassy, and I'm trying to, like, not... <laughs> like, I really wanna be like, okay, but listen up, okay, like... You're free to, I'm not stopping you!
4: You may not want to do that, but,
1: you know. Exactly! Yes! See, Katie says, no, 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 don't do that! But Faith says, yeah, do it, do it,
0: <gasps> do it! Let me put it to you in perspective on this. I find that when you're in these situations, the best thing to ask yourself is, what would my character do?
2: That's that's fair. When Tara's actually going to say... "Um." I don't understand what I did wrong, and could you help me understand?
0: Oh, so none of you understand where your shortcomings were on this one. Well, perhaps this will enlighten you. And she grabs a piece of paper off her desk and shows it to you all. And admittedly, she is a little far away from you guys. You can't fully make it out. However, you can make out enough to see that it starts with... Dear Madam Delmarev, I am writing to issue this formal complaint against the associates you employ that refer to themselves as the Agents of the Damned. It then goes on to list an exhaustive number of complaints and is signed very noticeably at the bottom by one Captain Barden Stillsnow of the Neverwinter Guard. RINGING ANY BELLS?
1: When Tara looks over at Saith, Saith is trying sincerely not
0: to laugh. You just barely managed to go unnoticed. That being said, she does turn to you, noticing when Tara's little glance over and says, I suppose your friend is right on that little look she gave. You, after all, are the biggest offender on this one. So tell me, SAFE, what exactly is it in your field of expertise, your worldly knowledge and wisdoms, that led you to believe that threatening an armed member of the local army was in any way an intelligent idea?
1: Well, to be completely honest, ma'am, he was entirely infuriating.
0: Oh, he was infuriating.
1: How so? He seemed to have some trouble answering direct questions. Hmm, it's interesting
0: that you would say that, because according to this, it says that you, after you had accused one of his closest friends and one of the most highly regarded officials in the city of conspiring to do something highly illegal, you gave him no time in order to assess the situation, and instead decided to harass him the entire time.
1: If I remember correctly, we told him about the information we directly received.
0: What was your exact wording?
1: Honestly, between all of the hullabaloo of yesterday and now, I can barely remember what I had for breakfast.
4: Well,
0: oddly enough, he remembered, and I believe his seeing on it was that you told him that the Thieves' Guild... And specifically, Milo had been knowingly hoarding treasures that they were supposed to be sending out, and after he said he knew for a fact that was not the case, admitted that yes was taking it in. He doesn't mention that. I'll give you that one. He does go on to say that after he was prepared to bring you over, you proceeded to threaten him, and as an action you repeated TWICE!
1: Eh, I'm not exactly a people person. I mostly kill them, so I will accept my responsibility for my actions on that one.
0: Oh, of course you will. But that's not even your worst offense, believe it or not. Can't guess what your worst one is!
1: Please continue.
0: You understand the nature of our job, yes? To prevent calamities from happening, and therefore to ensure the world keeps spinning on as is, yes? Absolutely. Then why do you think it's a good idea to publicly speak about a dragon attack as if it was impending?
1: I did no such thing, ma'am.
0: Oh, did you not?
1: No, ma'am.
0: So at no point, including when you were speaking in a Thieves' Guild, did you say quite loudly as he makes note that you were trying to avoid a known dragon attack. Something that you repeated in multiple instances, all of which in public.
1: In all fairness, ma'am, I can't lower the volume of my voice.
0: The volume isn't the problem. It's the
3: proximity to innocent civilians who are prone
0: to PANIC! Uh,
3: if I may interject for a second ma'am? Do so... with... caution. If you could enlighten me, what is the procedural training on how we should, uh, handle situations like this? Like, what was our instruction? Did you ever consult the book I gave you? It's an entire book, and you sent us on a mission roughly minutes after we you know, um, roughly minutes after we'd been, you know, coming on through. Now I understand that safe didn't uh, handle everything the best way, and I'll take partial responsibility for that, but... Well, you're right on that one. You're
0: on this list too.
3: And what, pray tell, have I done?
0: Well, in this
3: particular instance, what he...
0: He decided to point out was how you harassed him about not knowing about a possible medical condition that has never been heard of before. And she turns back to save. which by the way, we have no medical records on you for anything of the sort, which means you either lied to us on your medical records or you lied to him about being infected with some unknown disease you couldn't possibly know about. So, which one was it, and why did you feel so complicit in this obvious farce, Doctor?
3: Well, medical condition carries a wide range of definitions there. So, what's her condition that forces her smile? Do you know what her condition is? It appears to be some manner of curse, the exact cause of which I cannot discern without further testing.
0: Funny. I wouldn't refer to a curse as a medical condition.
3: Well, you're not a doctor.
0: (gasps) She walks from behind her desk and gets very close to you.
2: Tara is about as small as she can possibly make her body right now.
0: I understand. You have very limited experience with this one. Doctor... So let me ask you this. What
3: is your familiarity with authority? I have a relative familiarity with it. Funny. Because in my
0: experience, those who have an understanding of authority tend to respect it. Now, if I were you, I would sit down Take my lumps on this one, and shut your mouth! Regardless of the circumstances, all of you, with the somehow exception of Wintera, managed to act in a way highly unbecoming of our organization. Yes, I sent you out a little early, I will admit that. That is a fault of mine, and I am not acting like it is not there. However, I asked all of you to come to this organization with the understanding that you understood that what is entitled to a basic degree such that you did not act as children. Is that so much to ask and expect from people working here, doctor?
3: Uh, Arlo kind of looks off for a second and then says, You know, I don't even think I know where my quarters are here. That was going to be settled. Well, you can let me know when you figure that out. And Arlo walks out of the room.
0: <gasps> the door is
1: locked. Nice try, bro. That was good. That, that was
0: cool. Doctor. I don't know
4: what type of evil you
0: take. But I assure you, if you don't change your attitude and shape up, you are going to be in for one of the most miserable or one of the shortest times here and I leave that choice to you now you can either try and walk out again and expect that you will be doing so never coming back here or you can take your seat
3: Arlo takes his seat but does so huffily.
0: Ryan walks back over to her desk and sits down, takes a giant sip of that coffee that she had, and then takes a deep breath. I can see now that what I had in mind for you all was slightly lacking. Something I was planning on doing regardless. However, now I see it is not out of your benefit, but out of necessity. Each of you is going, to have some personal tutelage from one of our experts that we have here. Winter, while you were the one who did perform the most exceptionally on this job as far as maintaining your own composure and not acting out in a way that is unbecoming and unprofessional, it is also my understanding that you lack the common knowledge that is typically associated with one who lives in a more modern city life not mean that disrespectfully, of course. As such, I will be sending you to the archives to take some time with Bookworm and Orono to serve as translator in order to get you up to speed on some of the more social norms and some things you can expect in society going forward.
2: Wintara nods very quickly.
0: Arlo has become increasingly apparent to me that you lack any common sense as far as social skills are concerned. As such, I'll be sending you with Ayla. He is quite well familiar with how to handle himself in situations of all varieties, all manner of people. And I am sure that though it may take some time, he'll be able to rough out a few... Areas of requirement. And as for you, safe. Despite being someone who's so well acclimated with hiding and keeping yourself out of public eye, it appears that you also have an act for making yourself the center of attention at some of the least opportune times. As such, I'm going to be sending you. The one person here who is perhaps better at keeping out of public eye and hiding in plain sight than anyone I have ever met. So, I hope you're ready to spend some time in the general store because you get to work with one Rick Slavenly. Oh no! <laughs> Bitch Oh You What Oh no Oh my lord Oh I'm sorry Do you think the only consequence to you all stupid shit Was I was gonna yell at you for a little bit uh, Oh no, no. Uh,
1: I hate you
0: Oh no, no no I believe in punishing You guys for bad decisions Sometimes, not in the ways you think. So, I think we'll go in order that they were assigned. So, when you find yourself in the archives, Bookworm and Orolo are both there. Since you are the only one who can't understand Bookworm outside of just basic body language, which makes for poor conversation, Orolo is there to help provide some translation. You see, he's also set up some coffee cups, and sort of looks to be receiving you. Please have a seat.
2: Wintera takes a seat.
0: So we understand that you've been having some difficulty understanding how things go in city life, like right outside of the forest.
2: Y- yeah, it's different. Even more different than I think my parents could have prepared me for, and that's saying something.
0: You see Buckworm do some hand signs, and then Orlo says, She's... Bookworm wants to tell you that she actually had a similar experience. As I'm sure you're undoubtedly familiar, Fearboook are also natural forest dwellers. So when she joined Damned quite some time ago, she also had a hard time acclimating. So hopefully she will be able to teach you her own experience is what is and is not considered a social norm.
2: Well, I appreciate anything you can offer. What's, um... What's the first thing you wish someone would have told you?
0: So Bookworm kind of looks up curiously and strokes her chin for a little bit to think about it, and then does a series of hand signs, and then Orlo says she wished she had known that it was acceptable to ask others for help than it is commonly expected in the forest. I'm not sure how your tribe was, but Ufeabuld, it is common that they do live in a society. They also do not normally interact with people outside of their own clan. So Hookworm here had a hard time trusting others when she first came out, though Admittedly, her experience was a little. unique. And as she says that, you see Bookworm kind of nudges him on the side, like to tell him to shut up.
2: Yeah, when Tara kind of snickers a little bit at that, just trying to make some assumptions about maybe what would have happened and.
0: To be clear, to be clear when I said that, she did not look amused. She looked like she was upset that he had done that.
2: Oh, okay. um Well, then when Tara doesn't snicker, that's the wrong word. She does that nervous laugh, I guess, that someone does when they're talking through a situation, where she's kind of like, Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, everyone leaves the forest for their own reason. I'm sure yours was just as important, but you're here, and it sounds like-
0: As you- okay, as you say that, I want you to roll an insight check on that one.
2: Okay. Um, 22.
0: She looks sad when you say that.
2: Oh, I'm- I'm sorry- I didn't mean to upset you, um
0: (sighs) She sort of waves her hand off as if to say it's okay But you can tell it's not something that's easy for her to talk about You have reason to suspect at this point That it is not the same reason you left
2: Gotcha Minterra sighs again And she looks around at the entirety of the archives And just takes it in for a second she looks back to the two of them after a moment and says, Well, I mean, I know basic things. My father, he always grew up in the forest. My mother had a little bit more information about how city life worked. But to be fair to her, things change pretty quickly, it seems like. So, what she could teach me. I don't think is the same as it is now. And I don't think from city to city it stays the same. But if there's anything I can learn more about or be taught about that's most beneficial for any of the areas around here, you know, anything you can help me with would be good.
0: So as you say that, she kind of like seems to cheer up a little bit and gives you a little soft smile. And she nods and then Orla says, Well then, let us begin So now we cut over to Arlo You have just arrived at the blacksmithing area And unlike the first time where you were kind of largely ignored Aylor notices you pretty quickly Almost as if he was waiting for you (laughs) Ah, hello there, Arlo Dear, please, come on over
3: Oh shit, I forgot about that.
0: You forgot which part? That Aylar is a homosexual or that he thinks you're hot?
3: <laughs> that he thinks that I'm hot and that I deliberately flirted with him to get cheap armor.
0: Actions! Consequences! I'm one of the few people that actually implements that philosophy.
3: So Arlo just kind of awkwardly, like, uh, hey there, uh, old buddy, old pal of mine, how's it going? Oh,
0: better now. So, from my understanding, you seem to have... issues with people. Or
3: at least talking with them and reading a situation.
0: Does that sound about
3: right? Uh, you could say I could stand to improve on that a bit better, yeah? Well, if you could learn to interact with people the way you flirt might actually do all right. I I have no idea what you're referring to. I have never once done any of the flirt.
0: He puts his hand on your chest very softly and is like, doctor, please. I'm not stupid. And so he kind of walks over to a separate room and says, please, follow me. We'll go into my workshop. Alrighty. So you go in there and it's essentially like a sewing room. But it does also have things for, like, leatherworking and some degree of, like, metalwork. But it's primarily... It seems like it's primarily meant for clothing and fabrics and things of that nature. He sits in a little workstation, and there's a smaller little stool for you to sit on. And so he says, So what part of the social interaction is it that's giving you so much
3: trouble? So, um, when you want to speak to a person and then you want the words to sound good, how do you do that?
0: Ah, I think I see what the problem is here. Your problem is that you seem to lack a certain amount of grace and articulation. Does that
3: sound about right? Yeah, I need some uh, some articulation there. Oh, I'm going to have
0: fun with this. So, the first thing you need to realize is that the way you say things isn't always the most important. What really matters is the heart of your words, the meaning that you're trying to convey. If your only issue is knowing more words, like articulation, can you say that for
3: me? Yeah, articulation, I said it.
0: We'll work on it. The very best way to do that would just be reading books, things of that nature, expanding in vernacular. But I have a feeling your issue more lies in not necessarily your choice of words, so much as it is your ability to convey their meaning. For example, this is something I just heard through the grapevine, and... By the grapevine, I mean from the boss lady herself, I understand that the briefing didn't go terribly well, and you took it... poorly, for lack of better words. What was going through your mind
3: there? Well, uh, if I'm being honest, I found the situation a little bit unfair. She threw us out there with very little direction and absolutely zero training... I mean, I'm not a stranger to authority or any kind of a structured system, but I mean... That's that's kind of been my whole thing before now, but I don't know. The, the whole idea of dressing someone down is because you very clearly outlined your expectations for them, and they didn't meet them. But there were no clearly outlined expectations. She just kind of yelled at us for stuff we couldn't have possibly known not to do. And I'll be the first to admit that there were some goose uh, that might have been better handled. But, you know cheese and crackers, lady. Like, you know, calm your stays.
0: Well, that's something that's... That's another important factor of communication, is your audience. Look, I understand. I've been yelled at by the director so many times, I've lost count. I've stopped counting. But you need to understand when she does that, it's not necessarily that she's... It isn't because she feels as though you are unworthy, or anything like that, or even necessarily that she's mad. She is, but it's because she sends us out with the expectations. She holds us to a higher regard, and so when things don't go the way she expects, it's the only way she knows to lash out. Tell me. Did you know that she herself also has a little bit of experience with the military?
3: Um, that I did not, actually. Well, does that change anything for you? Well, I'm more of a fan of judging people by their actions and character, and I haven't known her for very long, so I can't really really say, I guess.
0: Well then, by that logic, can we not say she was just doing the same thing? I'm not saying this to try and say that you were wrong for feeling the way you were. I want to be clear on that one. I'm just trying to tell you that when it comes to communicating with people, even people who can be a little difficult to communicate with, you sometimes do need to be able to see things from someone else's perspective. Just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean you can't still understand it. Lord knows if I had understood that. And he cuts himself off as he's saying that. Like, he's realizing he was about to say something he did not want to. Ooh, oh, ooh, ooh! That's a
3: secret, tell me!
0: No, 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 we... We've only known each other a little bit. It'd be a bit awkward.
3: Oh, come on, I mean, like, uh... <clears throat> come on there, buddy, you can tell old Arlo. I mean, who am I gonna tell? You, besides literally everyone here... I'm still too new here to know anyone. I couldn't possibly tell anybody anything.
0: Roll persuasion.
3: And 18 minus 1, so 17.
0: Beautiful. So he says, Well, I
3: suppose.
0: Can you flex for me?
3: I'm going to flex, but not for you. Just because I want to didn't say it had to be for me. Arlo does <laughs> <laughs> a little, small flex.
0: I'm feeling more talkative already. Truth be told, I've had some experiences with lack of communication and lack of understanding myself. It's when I realized the necessity of it. Once upon a time, I thought I'd found everything I wanted. A wonderful man to make me happy great job, but alas, I failed to see the reality of the situation, and he was taking advantage of my skills, and by the time I realized it, it was too late. He'd already betrayed me, and I'd found myself coming from a place with everything, to having nothing. If of the organization that I... ...probably would still be scraping by with nothing. Truth be told, it's why I seldom really give people anything more than just face value. Also, just in case you were wondering about that one, that does, in fact, mean that while I am, and I will acknowledge that I know this, an aggressive flirt, you don't have to worry. I'm not interested in anything more than just admiring from afar. I don't trust people enough to let them get that far anymore.
3: I can respect that. And I do apologize for flirting with you to get cheaper armor. That was, uh, ungentlemanly of me.
0: Don't worry. I knew exactly what you were doing. I just find that it's fun to play the game sometimes, you know? Hey, fair enough. Just do me this one favor. Not just with the director, but with... Anyone going forward. Try and see things through their eyes. And maybe you'll find that communicating with them becomes just a little bit easier. Do that for me?
3: Mmm, I suppose I can try. Good lad. See things through their eyes.
0: And now we cut over to safe. Say, you stand outside of the still concerningly wet general store. I imagine extremely apprehensive about walking in, knowing what grim fate awaits you.
1: Eh, might as well get it over with.
0: So, as you walk in, but of course, Rick Slavenly is there. He takes note of you and says, Well, hello
4: there. Welcome to Rick Slavenly's Corporeal Oozes! I'm Rick Slavenly! And Little Rick pops out once again and says, And I'm Little Rick! And in conjunction,
1: How <laughs> can, can we help, we help you? you? We, uh, we've met before actually. I bought some of your health potions. I know, I'm
4: very familiar. I do that with everyone when they walk in. It's professional.
1: Fair enough. So, I've been placed with you. I'm sure for a reason.
4: Ah yes, being able to hide and play inside. Truly, there is no one better than myself. I'd be long dead if I couldn't. That's
1: very likely.
3: I'm just imagining all the towns that Rick Slavenly has gone to but can't go to anymore because there was just an exchange where someone was like, hey man, be honest with me, is this come? And all they said was mm, and now he's not allowed there anymore.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Rick Slavenly takes it like, you know, I can't help but get the subtle feeling you don't believe that I'm capable of blending in.
1: No, I fully believe that you can. It's like you said, if you weren't able to, you'd probably be dead by now.
0: Little Rick actually kind of cocks his head a little bit, as if he's thinking. And then taps Rick slavenly on the side and says,
4: I don't think you told her!
0: And then Rick
4: looks confused what are you talking about? Of course I told her. I told all of them when they first showed up. Isn't that right?
0: Uh... Rick like, Like, he cocks his eyebrows to himself, and then he's, like, realizing himself. Oh my god, I didn't tell you, did I? Huh? That's
4: weird. Normally, I'm a lot better about that. Could you be a deer and back up a few steps
1: she backs up a few steps
0: as you take the last step a giant red mask plops down in front of you from the ceiling Mm -hmm. and you can tell this is a giant very powerful ooze monster in front of you but more than that you notice that there is a single line, like a tendril, going off
3: behind the counter.
0: Oh my god.
3: Are you fucking serious? And
0: Rick Slavenly walks out from behind the counter, and that tether is going up his coat.
2: Oh my god.
4: He
0: puts his head
4: on the ooze and says... Meet my real form!
3: No! Absolutely not!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Why am I not entirely surprised?
4: Tell me dear, how familiar are you with Ooblex?
1: Not very! Oh, well,
4: that's what I am. I'm actually what most people qualify as an elder Uplex. You see, my race is actually unique in that whatever humanoid species, and in some cases non-humanoid, any sentient creature that we absorb, we can then create a physical clone as long as it's tethered to us. I just have to take this form so I
1: can blend in. Interesting. Isn't it? Quite, actually, yes. Would you mind if I got a closer look at your true form? Sure,
4: go ahead. I have no secrets.
1: Okay, so she looks him up and down, and she kind of walks around him, she pokes him a few times.
0: As you look at him, you see that there's a bunch of stuff floating inside of his main mass, and it almost looks like there's a bunch of skeletal remains inside of him.
1: Oh, I see. You pull things inside and digest them. Indeed. So why did she send me to you, though? I understand that you are definitely very good at hiding in plain sight. It's actually quite fascinating. But I'm failing to understand what you can do to help me do the same.
4: Well, obviously I can't teach you from the same point of view as ooh. Seeing as you're not one, and don't try and trick me and tell me that you're not, cause I know. I'm pretty sure what she wanted me to teach you was how to take what you want and not.
1: Wait, what?
4: For example. Let me be clear, the form that you see before you was actually one of the first people I ever interacted with! I'd even call him my first real friend! You see, we met, this is actually the body of a man I knew good several hundred years ago, and I was actually oddly sociable for an ooze. That did get me in a lot of trouble. There's a lot of towns that Elder Oomelikes and other varieties of my kind are not terribly welcome for. Mostly because I made myself too known. But this gentleman here kind of gave me a bit of a rundown on how to avoid doing that kind of stuff. So I think when she wants me to impart the same knowledge
1: on you. Oh, okay, I see. I definitely understand and identify with the, uh, well, with the part of not being wanted.
4: Yeah, I was kind of surprised to hear that you were the one coming toward me. I would have assumed it would have been the big scary guy. He doesn't seem like he can hide terribly well, but if you have a hard time trying to not do things that get you noticed and acting on them at inopportune times. There's truly no bigger person than me.
1: Install your wisdom upon me. Very well
4: then. And he rolls up his sleeves and every weird thing that now implies. Let's begin.
3: I am discomfort.
1: Wait. <laughs> Good. Y- yeah, Now, I'm even more discomfort about the term ooze babies.
0: Why? Because you know he is an ooze.
1: Those are his babies, fam. It's been sperm all along. We've been joking about it, but it's been sperm all along.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This just makes Rick Slavenly even more the feeling of bad touch.
1: (laughs) It's a gift. I want to die! <laughs> Don't worry. That, that, that's all
4: I'm gonna do to you guys with the particular interaction. Uh,
0: but you guys still had things you wanted to get to some downtime stuff? Any of you guys wanting to go first on that one?
3: I'll go first if no one else really wants to.
0: Oh. Right! So, Arlo, this one is not scripted. What are you doing for your free time?
3: I'm gonna go back to the director's office.
0: Alright! So, as you head over there, do you knock to alert your presence?
3: Yeah, I knock on the door.
0: Alright, you knock and hear. Come in!
3: Uh, Arlo kind of pushes the door open and kind of slowly enters and is actively avoiding eye contact.
0: She looks up and notices it's you and says, Oh, hello, doctor. Anything I can help you with?
3: Arlo is standing against the door, like, avoiding eye contact, and he's just like, "Mm -hmm."
0: Speak up. I can't hear you.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: You're going to waste my time. Please leave. I'm quite
3: busy. I'm sorry I was a dick earlier. Oh. I uh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, please come in. Uh, Arlo comes in and is more polite this time and is like, may I may I sit?
0: Please. do.
3: No. I uh, talk things over and Though we didn't fully see eye to eye on everything, I do understand that your your job's a tough one. And, uh, just as I got a bit stressed out there and the fact that we were trying to make sure that an entire town didn't get wiped out, you're doing that on a, you know, 15 to 20 hundred times scale, on the daily. And I didn't, uh, I didn't think about that. So, for that I am sorry.
0: I do appreciate you taking the time to, to come and do this. <clears throat> so often I find that people aren't willing to own up to their mistakes. So allow me to do the same. I admit I should not have sent you all out on that job as soon as I did. I will admit it is it was more intended as a routine checkup, however. Because of how circumstances were, I was unable to provide you all with the adequate training. In reality, I probably should have waited, because it had Some time before the possibility of a dragon showing up was even possible. Though, based on the reports I received from you all, it appears that it may have still been far more of a necessity than even I realized. Hmm. Please understand, I don't mean to come off as more prudish than I really am. I understand I can be difficult sometimes. But, as you said, what I have to deal with is extremely difficult. I just need to know that people that I work with are going to be able to perform as I need them to and keep the world safe. I did not mean to put you all in a difficult situation for that you have my apologies.
3: I figure we can, if you're willing to and if you're alright with it, we can kind of take this as a I suppose an opportunity to start over. Have a pleasant work relationship going forward. I
0: would actually like that. After all, there are not very many other people here who actually share in my own military background. So I must admit, I am looking forward to being able to exchange war stories with you.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll admit that does sound like a a whole lot of fun there. So if and ever you have a bit of time in between jobs and between running this whole organization here. I'd love to sit down with you and, I guess, kind of chat things out a little bit. Hell, maybe you can show me some of your uh, your moves you've picked up over time.
0: You're kind of a little side smirk with that one. Is like, you mean with the nunchucks?
3: What? I hadn't even thought about those. Please, Doctor. It's
0: literally the first thing you pointed out when you stepped into my office the first time. And believe me, I remember a first impression.
3: I just want to say that he's been kind of glancing at them now every um, every now and again because they're still on the wall. Would you like to see? Arlo is literally shaking with anticipation. He's like, "If if that's all right with you, I would not want to pressure anything." No, no, like you said, new beginnings, right?
0: And so she stands up and takes off her outer robe. You can actually see that what she wears underneath, like, her official damned uniform is actually more akin to, like, what you might expect some sort of a stealth ops or even a martial artist to be wearing. One of those, like, the shirts that go around the back of the neck with an open back for better flexibility, that kind of stuff, uh, bag your pants, etc. And so she grabs the nunchucks, and then almost the second they leave the wall... She starts twirling them around with the grace and expertise like you have never seen. The flames dancing as the trail is left behind. It's almost as if the director herself is being engulfed in flames. And yet, they follow the nunchucks with almost dancer-like grace. She works her way over towards you, doing the most masterful form you have ever seen. And then ends with a swipe down, mere inches from your face, the flames licking your snout.
2: Why do I feel like this interaction, as a fight, sounds way more sexual than it should?
1: It
0: does! It sounds so sexual!
3: It does, kind of. I
0: am not trying to do that. That is an accident.
3: I was trying to think of something to say that didn't immediately lean into that, and I was just like, yee <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I apologize for that. It is not my intention.
1: But like, but like, I am only imagining. Like, Arlo is wearing armor, right?
0: Yeah, I assume. Tink. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Should I roll for Tink? No,
0: absolutely not. Jesus, why is it
4: this all? Roll for Tink.
3: Okay, I'm rolling it. I'm rolling it.
4: No, 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 no.
3: Uh, I'm rolling it. Listen,
0: Ryan is at
3: least as old as your mother.
4: No,
2: no, 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 and it's it's not even my brain for him towards Ryan. It's it's towards the nunchucks.
3: <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. You don't know if Arlo is a milk hunter or not.
4: I am not okay with
3: this anymore.
2: No, so so what I meant was like I imagined it's the nunchucks and not towards her. Like,
4: <laughs>
3: also, I rolled a sixteen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, like, imagine towards the nunchucks, it's not even got a heart on for the lady, it's for the- It's
0: <laughs> <laughs> all <I> <laughs> Hey, hey,
3: nunchucks are cool.
0: I'm not saying they're not. They're objectively badass. <sighs> Would you like to continue this scene without making this
4: awkward-
3: I did roll a 16 for Boner.
0: (laughs) Cool, we're ignoring that! Move on!
3: (laughs) Alright, let's keep going.
0: So, she's sort of like... I don't think sheath is the right word, but... Tucks again under her arm. The flames don't seem to bother her at all, like, when she does that. And she looks at you and says, Tell me, how much actual combat experience do you have?
3: If I'm being honest, I've only got a couple of, let's say, like, about a year, year and a half worth of actual combat time. Not a lot, then.
0: Is the only thing you know how to use that hammer of yours?
3: Ah, well, I can fiddle around with most things that be considered, like, you know, a regular type uh, weapon. But, like, yeah, mostly it's the, uh, it's the hammer here. Well, then.
0: Your chief issue was that I sent you out woefully unprepared, yes? Then I believe it is my job as your boss to ensure that when you go out next, you are adequately prepared. I have already given you the assignment of working on your own social skills with Ayla. However, if you wish independently, I can perhaps bestow upon you some of the skills I have acquired over the years with any of the weaponry
3: that I have learned.
1: Tink! Tink, tink!
3: yeah you're not doing a very good job of making this sound non-sexual I'm gonna say that right now
0: <laughs> can we stop
3: addressing it it's like oh Arlo you're gonna have you're gonna need to stay after class I said none of that. I'm offering you
0: <laughs> I can rescind all of this if you don't. <laughs> I'm
2: just, I'm sitting here with my face in my hands, like, oh, oh my.
3: <laughs> We're going to need to throw in a line or something like, you know, bump, wow, wow. I am absolutely
0: not doing that. I refuse. wait (laughs) wait jordan
3: jordan if i
0: oh boy
3: if i make it for you no (laughs) no
0: i am answer her damn question so i can move on i have other shit i
3: still need to do god (laughs) i'll be very happy for that thank you for offering me this opportunity
0: very well then let's begin So here's what you get for training with Ryan. Of the four weapons I mentioned earlier, Nunchucks, Katana, Warhammer, or Crossbow, the first two count as Club or Longsword. She has an associated skill that she can teach you with any of those. And you get to pick which one you want. And you'll also get one of them, uh, with the exception of the Warhammer, because you already have one, You will not get the elemental bonuses that hers in particular have, but they are still pretty fucking powerful abilities.
3: Hmm, so you said Warhammer, Nunchucks, Katana, and what else? Crossbow. Crossbow. I gotta tell you, it's between Nunchucks and Katana. Those
0: are my two favorites.
3: So, Nunchucks are cool as hell. Katana makes a little bit more sense thematically for a cleric to be like, I think it's more of a sword, so it'd make more sense, but, like... Arguably! But then, just imagine the satisfaction of him, like, Ah, oh, the cleric is here. Watch out! And he just smacks the dogs out of you with just nunchucks? Just imagine how baffled you'd be.
0: Yes, but I also don't consider half of the stuff you've done to be thematically in line with a cleric.
3: What? I've been a model cleric. You don't know what you're talking about.
0: I cast Backwards Chair.
3: I'm sorry, you're telling me that a cleric would not be the perfect archetype for a guy trying to be the cool youth pastor
0: I imagine paladin for that, because I feel like that would be way more
3: aggressive of a tactic I imagine paladins would be like the dare guys who try to do the whole scared straight thing Like, and then if you take even one drug, you will die
0: You know what, that's fair, I'll give you that, that's fair (laughs)
3: I knew a guy who smoked a weed, and then he caught fire. A <laughs> <laughs> weed. Um, I gotta go with the nunchucks. We've been chasing this dragon for too long, all the puns intended.
0: Okay, so you, you'll you be able to secure yourself a set of nunchucks, which, again, for stat purposes, are a club, which is a d4 of bludgeoning, uh, from Morgren, and... You now have access to key. What? You have as many key points as your level in the mission prior. So you have three key points and you have access to the skill Fiery Onslaught. You can make a bonus action attack specifically with the Nunchucks. It's an independent from your cleric skill and you have access to Flurry of Blows. But you can stack Flurry of Blows for an additional key point. Each key point you spend past the first one results in a point of exhaustion that is immediately applied before the attack roll. That's pretty freaking metal. I take care of my boys. And girls, uh, speaking of, which one of you is next? Um, I'll go next. Okay, so what is Wintera doing to enjoy her downtime?
2: She is in the library. She is very much engrossed in all of the books and things that are in there, and she's really fucking intrigued by water animals, and she would like to learn more about them, please.
0: Like, specifically things that have a swimming speed, or things that would be found in the ocean?
2: Um, hmm. Like, anything that could be found in or around the water. So... Not even necessarily that has a swimming speed, she's just intrigued by aquatic animals. And it started when she saw the jellyfish at Big Betty's and she was like, what the heck is that? So she's just been trying to learn more about uh, terrain that isn't just forest terrain. So along with that would be water animals and creatures.
0: Can I just say that I love how much the starting point of this was Big Betty's? Mm -hmm.
2: I knew the moment that she saw that jellyfish that, that, just her brain. That makes me so happy. Y- you know, it's just, her brain's just like a loading screen, that, like, dot, 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 what? I mean, she's she's been obsessed with that thing ever since she saw it. Just, what is that? Why is that? How does it do? Because she wants to eventually have that that possibility in her arsenal of, of options to make.
0: Alright. Very nice. Uh, so, I don't, know if i have a way to make this quite as flashy or interactive as i did with arlo unless you want to talk with bookworm or something or would this be more of an independent study
2: mm, i think more of an independent study this would be one of those things where you'd see someone in the library just frantically looking at things with books and stuff all around them and you're like oh don't don't talk to them they're a uh... They're doing their own thing, and I think if I do, they might bite me.
0: Alright, so this one will be a little bit faster than. so here's what you get for this one. Any creature that would fit within this particular area is immediately at, like, you can access for the wild shape for your summons. In addition, anytime you are in such an area, you get advantage on all stealth, perception, survival, and nature checks. And, you can take one non-beast creature found within that region, with my approval, and add it to your wild shape arsenal.
2: One non-beast creature and add it to my wild shape with your approval?
0: Okay. Yes. So, you can look through, find something that normally is not accessible to you through wild shape, because wild shape is only beast, And that is added to your wild shape. Nice. So you have a water creature you can now turn into. Okay. Uh, Get back to me on that whenever you find it. All right, and that leaves safe. What were you going to be doing?
1: She's going to train in the, uh, the training space. Close hand and crossbow.
0: So, you're doing that for a little bit, kind of working independently on your short sword and now dagger skills, as well as improving your crossbow aim. Deep down, even though you're kind of grateful it happened, you also remember Wintara's sort of backhanded comment about how you missed earlier when you were hypnotized, and that kind of got to you. Yeah! And so, while this is going on, after a little bit you notice someone in the corner of the room is staring at you. And it is none other than Little Rick. Oh!
1: Hi, Little Bird Bud! What's up? hello
0: there! And he waddles on over and he pulls out a piece of paper and a little quill and starts writing on it. As you remember from Kenku, they can't speak independently without stringing together words and phrases that they've already heard. And this guy can only speak things he's heard from Rick Slavenly specifically, so he's kind of at a huge disadvantage on that one.
3: Uh, Bumblebee from
0: the early Transformers movie rules. But worse somehow, because every station is Rick Slavenly. Oh. And you see on the little paper, he writes down, Your form is wrong. Ooh.
1: What do you recommend?
0: And as you say that, he sweeps your feet and you fall flat on your ass. Huh. And so then he writes out on the paper and it says, putting bad.
1: She stands back up and corrects her form and looks at him expectantly.
0: Kind of cocks his head a little bit and then looks surprised and then points in a direction behind you. Like he looks very worried. She turns behind her? As you do that, he jumps on top of you and covers your eyes.
1: (laughs) You have a very odd way of training, Little Rick. You need some help! Fair enough!
0: So this is his backhanded way of offering you help to get better. So here's what you get for this one. I may come to regret this decision, but I've signed my dues. You may take the skills of the appropriate level from any rogue subclass other than your own or arcane trickster. Ooh. But it has to be of a level appropriate to your own rogue level. So any of the starting rogue skills that is not your current one, you may take. i
3: I'm excited about these things that we're getting, but I'm also worried about the things that you're going to throw at us now that we have these things. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, good. You realize the catch. I'm like, wow, we've got all this cool gear. Cool, 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 cool. Tarask.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: No, no, no. Not yet.
0: You guys do your own independent things. You manage to get better as you go along, and you spend the next couple of weeks, almost about a month, without any work. Just kind of going about improving yourselves doing your own remedial lessons with people and focusing on your own stuff like your own side training one particular night we find the agents sleeping in their room as they always do you guys share a room this is common for all teams in the organization and we specifically cut over to Safe. as she starts stirring in her sleep she suddenly wakes up, and sits up in her bed, having just had the nightmare again. Same thing as every other night. She, as always, she checks to see, and she is in fact still smiling, much to her own dismay. As she kind of gathers her thoughts, and looks around a little bit. safe you notice something. Hmm? There's something... off about the room this time near the door leading in. There's a small, black cat. With a rather interesting-looking collar that has 3 blood mud-red gems encrusted on it. And each one looks like it has a fire dancing within it. Okay. It sort of crawls its way over to you, and hops up onto the bed and nuzzles up on you a little bit
1: oh well I can't resist a cat she's obviously going to pet it and examine the collar
0: alright so you pet it for a little bit you look at the collar a little bit closer and as you touch it something seems wrong you look over to your allies in bed and they are not moving not like they're dead but as if they're frozen in time. And then, almost instantly, before you, a figure appears. A tall, nearly eight-foot creature, the likes of which you've only seen in the darkest of nightmares. It is covered in a black cowl with bleached white skin and red veins clearly seen from underneath. Its arms are long and lanky, hugging the bone on the inside with long, creepy fingers and claws that stretch out nearly half an inch from the fingertip. Its face is maybe the most horrid of all. Its teeth look like the makings of a demonic shark's mouth, with blood dripping from each tooth and down. His face. His eyes are blood red and look like they're piercing to your soul. He has dark black horns that shoot out and crawl back underneath the hood, so you can't fully see, but you get the feeling of utter dread looking at this horrid creature. And it says,
1: Oh boy! I, uh. I've been waiting on this day for a while.
0: And, for whatever reason, say, you have a memory flash before your eyes. This was from so long ago, it almost seems impossibly far away. You were still a little girl, maybe. 5 years old standing outside a cave on the outskirts of the town you grew up in despite how much you like to say it all the time you actually were still born on a material plane you stare into the cave looking scared as you see your parents bound and gagged for a great fire and standing behind them are your grandparents with dark Crooked knives pressed against their throats. They mutter in some dark language that only you can understand. It is infernal.
4: Dear Lord,
0: we offer you this sacrifice. Take
4: their bones
0: so you might invigorate our bodies. Take their blood so you may empower our souls. Take their very lives, so you may grant us time. Immortal! We beseech thee, our lord, Asmodeus! And as they say this, the knives slide across your parents' throats the blood spills onto the fire as their corpses fall and you run you run far far away this was one of many moments in your life that changed you and that name has rung in your ears ever since you know who this is
1: what do you want from me I am
0: simply doing what I must, a debt. After all, you inherited it from your And when he says this, you remember another memory. One that happened a bit later on. You, after the event when they killed your parents, you swore to yourself that you would make them pay. That your grandparents would die the same brutal death that they did. And after years and years of teaching yourself that needs to kill, you made it happen. They died with looks of horror on their face as they screamed to their lord, who seemed to abandon them in their time back in the present time as Modius looks at you and says When you killed them I had yet to fulfill the debt I owed them You are left in the darkness with this strange cat bearing the damned legacy of your family that you thought you had left behind so so long ago. And that is where we shall pause our tale for now. Hey guys, thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to listen to the end for a little blooper that didn't make it into the episode proper. We're adding those at the end of each episode as a little something to those who listen until the very end. But before that, we have some plugs and promotions. For anyone in the South Charlotte area, check out Just Cheesecakes by Tina Rose on Facebook. They're a local bakery that specializes in, you guessed it, cheesecakes. They do custom orders and delivery, so it's a quick and easy way to satisfy your sweet tooth. We are also partnered with Blackfeather Graphics. They've helped us with the show before, designing our logo, and official art use on our social media. They've recently started to specialize in apparel, so check them out at blackfeathergraphics.com. Finally, our own Drew McLean is the fitness genius behind Kinetic Concepts. When he's not reciting the Holy Scriptures of Bahamut, Drew is a personal trainer that customizes your workout to your own needs. He's helped me get in fighting shape and is also helping my brother to prepare for a marathon. To get yourself in shape, just find Kinetic Concepts on Instagram. If you want to support the show, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Agents of Damned, and on Twitter at Agents of D. We also have a Patreon at Agents of Damned, where we post episodes a week before their standard release, alongside our after show, Peek Behind the Screen, where we talk about what happened in the episode, and what we think will happen next. Finally, check out our website at agentsofdamned.wordpress.com, where you can get access to full transcriptions of every episode, and learn a little bit about the show's creators. Until next time, bye!
1: Bandit's asleep in my sleeve. Aww. He's like a tiny espresso. He's my coffee dragon. Aww. And I'm mostly saying that because every time he moves, he prickles me and it wakes me up just a little bit more.